you don't understand something, maybe it's trying to learn a piece of software on a computer, or maybe it's some hobby project like rebuilding a car or something like that. Whenever you come across something that you don't understand and you run into some sort of problem, it seems to me like there are basically two options. One is you can get frustrated, become angry, give up on it and pay someone else to do it for you. Or you can go and research. You can seek understanding of the problem and you can figure out how to get through the problem yourself. You can seek understanding or you can get angry. Augustine coined the phrase, faith seeking understanding. And I think you have a good example of that today in the Magi. The Magi are these wise men from the East. By the way, they're not kings. No offense to your favorite Christmas songs. But they're scientists. They're these magicians, these astrologers from Persia who study the stars and who try and figure out how the world works. And they come across something they don't understand. They come across this great star in the sky. And they know that it means something. And instead of getting angry and giving up, they instead look to the Old Testament. They probably had access to the Old Testament from when the Israelites were in captivity in the east in Babylon and then the Persian Empire took over. And so there were these Persians who had copies of the Old Testament and they sought to understand. They looked back on the scrolls, they looked back in the libraries, and they looked to the Christian scriptures. And they found meaning. They found prophecy. And they went to find the king of the Jews. And then they went to Bethlehem. And they found the king. That's faith seeking understanding. A good heart confused, but a good heart nonetheless looking to be clear. Herod, on the other hand, is also confused. When he hears about the star and when the wise men come to him and tell him that they are there to find the king of the Jews, he is also confused. He thinks he's the king of the Jews. And he doesn't know why in the world someone would be looking for a man who had been born that would one day replace him and take his power. And instead of seeking understanding, instead of turning to the scriptures, instead of looking for meaning in the star and for meaning in what the wise man had told him, instead he got angry. And he gave up. And he ordered the killing of babies. When you hear the Christmas story, I want you to pretend for a minute like we've gotten to where we've gotten. We did Christmas, Luke 2, Jesus is born. And then last week we talked about Jesus being anointed and having the sacrifices offered for him in the temple. 
but pretend like you don't know the rest of the story. Of course, you know the rest of the story. You know how he lives and his ministry and his death and resurrection, but pretend for a second like you're like the wise men or you're like Herod, and you don't know what's going to come exactly of this Jesus. You might have ideas about the Messiah from the Old Testament prophecies, but pretend like you don't know exactly what's going to happen. And that's the point of epiphany. That's the point of the wise men coming. It's the point of the baptism of Jesus, which we'll do next week, and the transfigure of Jesus, transfiguration of Jesus the week after that. The point of the season of epiphany, this time after Jesus is born, is to make things clear. To make what can be confusing about who Jesus is, such as to the wise men and such as to Herod, to make it clear and to reveal, that's what the word epiphany means, is to have a revealing. Someone says they had an epiphany, it's because something was revealed to them. The season of epiphany is to make clear that which is confusing. To reveal who this baby Jesus exactly is and what he has come to do. And so in this way, you can't really have Christmas without epiphany. Epiphany fills in Christmas. This is one of the most important seasons of the church here in that way. Jesus is further revealed. But even though we do know the rest of the story, it doesn't mean we can't still have similar questions about Jesus today. It's not as if all confusion about who this Christ child is in the world or even in our hearts has completely gone away somehow. And there are some questions that maybe come to mind about Jesus for you once in a while. That at least today, from Matthew 2, we can look for clarity. That's one of the things that the scriptures want to give, and especially in Epiphany, want to give to you in your mind and your heart, is clarity. And so the first thing I want to look at is the type of people, we already talked about it a little bit, but the type of people that these magi are. They are people who are completely unexpected. Of all the people to come and to try and find Jesus and to come and worship and bow down to him, they are people who you would expect the least. You would expect maybe the Pharisees who carefully studied the scriptures constantly to come and try and find the Messiah when he had been born. You would expect people who had descended from Abraham's line to come and try and find Jesus, the Messiah, who had been so long promised to them. But of all people, you would not expect Gentile magicians, people whose living was to be priests of basically a different religion, people who in some sense, practice things that are forbidden in the Old Testament. Sorcery and things like that. These are Persian scientists, magicians, 
wise men from the east. It is so unexpected. And yet God chose to reveal himself through something that he knew they would see. They were astrologers. He knew that they would recognize the star in the sky. And so, in order to fulfill that promise that was so long ago given to Abraham, he did not first tell one of Abraham's descendants to go find Jesus. Instead, in all the nations of the earth, through the Messiah, they would be blessed. That's the promise given to Abraham. All the families of the earth would be blessed. God gave the promise to the most unexpected. And so if these kinds of questions, let me pose a couple of questions to you, ever come into your hearts, I want you to think about the wise men. Did Jesus really come for me? It is easy sometimes to look at ourselves in the mirror and to look at God's law and to see our sinfulness or even at times just to feel sad and lonely and to see all the things which God has allowed to happen in our lives that don't make us feel very good. In other words, to put it in more clear language, we're about clarity today. When things suck, it is easy to look in the mirror and say, did Jesus really come for me? Is Jesus really here for me? But remember the wise men, the most unexpected people, the people who did not deserve really at all to receive Jesus are the ones who received his sign. And all that they needed was a good heart. All that they needed was faith that was seeking understanding. So maybe you don't know how Jesus is near you. Maybe you don't know why he's allowing the things that are happening to you to happen to you when you look in the mirror. But you can know this. Faith seeks understanding. You don't have to get angry and give up and throw Jesus out the window and try and pay someone else to do the job. He's there for you. And he wants you to seek him. And as you seek him, just like the Magi sought him, they didn't know what kind of journey they were setting out on. But when they got there, it was incredible. What about this question? What about people who haven't had the chance to hear about Jesus? What is God going to do with them? Well, we can say a couple things from scriptures. One, God desires to save all people. God wants all people throughout the whole world, all nations, all families of the earth to be blessed through him. And he does try to accomplish that. He sends out evangelists and he sends out missionaries. And if you look at the history of the world, he has continued to spread his gospel throughout the whole earth. And yes, of course, there's still work to be done. 
And we can't attempt to know the mind of God and exactly what he's thinking in every circumstance. But I will say this, perhaps it's rarer than you think that someone really does not have the chance to know Jesus. This is something that God promises that all nations should hear his voice. And he has allowed his gospel to spread and he still is allowing it to spread. And so again, we have faith. Maybe we don't understand exactly how all the details of salvation work. Of course, we can't. We're not God. But we can have faith. Faith that God wants to save and faith that seeks understanding. What about this question? What about my friend or family member that doesn't seem like they could ever be near Jesus or that Jesus would come to them. And again, I want you to think back to the Magi. What were they doing? They were practicing witchcraft, more or less, and yet God revealed himself to them. And God can, for your friend, for your family member as well. The second thing we can get clear on today from Matthew 2 is that Jesus will, in fact, be king. When Herod heard the news that the king of the Jews was born, he was worried and fearful and prideful and selfish with his power. But little did he know that that baby would grow up and that that baby would be proclaimed king of the Jews and that he would be crowned. Yes, crowned with a crown of thorns. Yes, enthroned upon a wooden cross. But yet, nonetheless, the title plate above his head read, this is Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And God said, what I have written, I have written. And that should be comforting to us, because when we see wicked kings like Herod, who, if you read on in the story, ordered the slaughter of the holy innocents. When we see wicked kings of this earth, when we see corrupt politicians and when we see corrupt nations and empires and we worry about all the wars and all the injustices done throughout the whole earth. We can look to heaven and we can know that our king is the king, not only of the Jews, but of all heaven and all earth for all authority throughout all of the earth has been given to him. Authority not over just the Jews, but also over the Persians and the Medes and the Babylonians. Authority not only over America, but over every nation on this earth. And it's not totally clear yet in many people's minds, but I guarantee you that when Jesus comes back, he will make it so much more clear when every king of this earth bows his knee at the true king, the king who will reign over the new heavens and the new earth. And so whether we live in a time of Herod in a time of disaster, whether we live in a time of prosperity, 
we know who our king is. And we can be clear on that. And thirdly, we can be clear on this, that it is good to worship him. The wise men fall down on their knees and they worship him. Their faith has brought them this understanding. And it's not that their faith is a faith that, okay, we figured it out and now we can just go home and leave it alone. We can forget about all this because the mission was accomplished. We figured out what the problem was. We figured out who the guy was that we were supposed to see. And so they went there, found him, and then left. Jesus changes everything. And it is clear here that when our faith has sought understanding and when we are brought to a fuller understanding of who Jesus is, that we should live our lives in everlasting thanksgiving and praise and worship of him. They bring him the best gifts that they have. They don't waste anything on him. They don't say, well, I'll just give the bare minimum. They give their best gifts from far, from the east. And they bring them to him and they devote and commit their entire selves to him, prostrating themselves before him. It's a new year. We've heard as what has happened at Christmas. But don't let it stop there. Don't say, oh, I saw Jesus born. Oh, we sang Silent Night with the candles. All is good. Now we can go home and not worry about it again for another year. This Christ child has come. Don't stop worshiping him. Worship him every Sunday. Worship him every day in your devotions and prayers. He deserves the best that you can bring him. Precious gifts from the depths of your heart. Does he need them? No. But does he want them? Of course he does. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And I'll leave you with this. Finally, it is made clear that that Jesus will help you and he will protect you. As you act in faith, the wise men are divinely warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, but to depart another way. They probably knew that this whole journey was a risk. They probably knew that when they left from the east, that things might not go well for them. They probably knew the risk they were taking when they went up to Herod and told him that a different king of the Jews had been born. But Jesus protected them. Instead of leaving them at risk, when they acted in faith, seeking understanding, the Lord divinely warned them in a dream to go the way they should go. And I'm not going to tell you that our walk of faith is never fearful. Of course it is. We don't always know what's ahead. Not even tomorrow, let alone years ahead. But Jesus promises 
that in faith he is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. He is our shield and our great reward. He is your mighty protector. And he will warn us when the path is dangerous and he will guide us into the way we should go. So don't get angry and cast him away and don't out of fear cast him aside and try and do things your own way. But have faith, faith seeking understanding because understanding and wisdom and clarity and revealing are exactly what Jesus wants to give you today. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.